This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Among much else, the pandemic has dramatically changed the way many families live and has forced a rethinking of what the American home should be and who it should be for. With many young adults losing their jobs and burdened with student debt, thousands were suddenly returning home to live with parents who were no longer ruling over an empty nest. And it became clear that nursing homes and assisted living facilities weren't always the best or safest option for aging parents. Suddenly, homes had to serve as nurseries, offices, dining halls, dorm rooms, and even healthcare facilities. And it's doubtful that this situation is temporary. Even before COVID, the housing crisis was real, and there have been all kinds of attempts to address it. In many cities, developers focused on creating buildings for singles with smaller private apartments, but many communal spaces, gyms, lounges, workspaces, pools, and even bars. But does that still make sense after COVID exposed how vulnerable we all are? In Los Angeles and a few other cities, zoning laws were enacted to encourage backyard construction of accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, otherwise known as granny flats. LA has even pre-approved 20 designs to make construction faster. So is the mother-in-law apartment the latest trend? Are we returning to an era where multiple generations of a family all live together? And what are the benefits and drawbacks of that kind of family life? How can design help make homes more adaptable, more flexible, and yet still beautiful for this new era. I have with us today three designers who have thought deeply about this and who have experience dealing with all kinds of families and situations. First is Janie Molster, a Richmond, Virginia-based designer who for more than 25 years has created homes that are colorful, glamorous, and welcoming, the epitome of Southern hospitality, but also specific, each shaped to her client. Her work is detailed in her first book out this fall entitled House Dressing, Interiors for Colorful Living. And her five children and grandchildren have given her years of insight into family living. Welcome, Janie. Thank you, Michael. I'm so happy to be here. I'm also pleased to have with us New York-based designer Sherry Francis, who as founder of Dadapt, has for more than 10 years created residential and commercial spaces that are refined, sleek, soothing, and above all, functional and adaptable. Hello, Sherry. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Finally, we have Chicago-based designer Bryn Olson, who after starting as an artist and then working with Nate Berkus, launched her own firm nearly a decade ago, focusing on shaping residences that not only delight their owners with their clean lines and elegant details, but actually improve their daily lives through thoughtful design. Welcome, Bryn. Thank you, Michael. So excited to be here. So you guys, I know I say guys and I shouldn't, <laughs> you, you wonderful women are all have had experience designing for all kinds of families. But I want to start with you, Jenny, because you have five kids. And I think that's, you know, I grew up in a family of five kids, so oh, I know great. how difficult it can be. So how do you think, I don't know what ages your, ch- your children are, but I know you have some grandchildren. So how are they living these days? And how have you, has your own life changed in terms of your children? Well, I I would say that 
I was just chatting today with someone who's also a client and we were talking about the pandemic, of course, but also sort of the silver linings that we're finding that were so unexpected. And you brought it up, the children coming back home. Last summer, we have a cottage down in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and we called it the office park because so many of our adult children came there and every room had a folding table. We had to upgrade the Wi-Fi multiple times. One of my son's a computer engineer. He was draining everyone's Wi-Fi. There were pack and plays in every corner. And it really was sort of an old school family compound. And the interiors were not built for that. So creativity became so important Closets were emptied and, you know, they became nurseries. We literally had a sleeping chart and an office park chart to where people were going to go at certain times. And then I think, you know, what talking about from my personal experience, what came out of that is just incredible camaraderie, just more of a team approach as opposed to Janie, mom, being in charge of all meals and all everything around the house. We had cooking teams. We had all sorts of uh, ways to sort of manage the home. And I have a child in college. I have single children, child children. I have children who are parents. So having that time, I'll never get again. So we'll get, I'm sure, further into the adjustments that we're making in new construction to accommodate that. But I'm really trying to hold on to the lemon and the lemonade, so to speak, and, and be appreciative of that race back home to mom and dad's house. Right. Now, Sherry, you pride yourself on the way you get spaces to function for your clients. Have a lot of them come to you in the face of COVID and said, this isn't working, that isn't working. I know Everybody wants to be outdoors, rightfully so, in the spring and summer with COVID. But what are the clients' challenges that you have been facing? Right now, um, clients' challenges is office spaces. Yeah, home offices, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The majority of the clients that I've had in residential have been, um, where do I work? Yeah, we're, we're trying to deal with some either small spaces, anything during COVID. That was the main thing. I haven't had the the big spaces in terms of COVID, but prior to COVID, I was doing the multi-gen mm-hmm. designs. and uh, Yeah, because I, I don't want it to seem like this is all about COVID. I mean, it's been an <laughs> issue and it will be an issue, right? But once hopefully COVID's under control. Right. I think if you don't mind me saying, like we just finished up a multi-gen residential project during COVID where... I think it was pretty successful. We really looked at spaces for each generation and made sure that there were, first and foremost, multiple entrances into a home. It was necessary. Oh, that's very important. Absolutely. (laughs) And then also definitely an area of congregation, but definitely separate wings or separate areas where each generation could kind of go into their own space and have their own private moment and not be bothered by the in-laws or the brothers and sisters. It was really trying to get ahead of any potential conflicts. And so I think in terms of of that, it, it worked and it worked for COVID. Each space had their own bathroom, their own kind of living quarters where they could sleep and also do work. 
And yeah, I think I think it, it ended up turning out pretty well. And how many people were in this living together in this residence? Uh, nine. <laughs> wow, so that's pretty impressive. <laughs> nine. It was, yeah, it was in Brooklyn. It was a brownstone, so I was lucky enough to work on that. And yeah, it wasn't just multi generational. It was also cultural and it was also religious. Okay. So that's a lot of challenges. It was quite a few challenges. It took quite a while to get the function under control. But once we did, it just went smoothly. Great. Great. And Bryn, what about you? Have your clients come to you? I mean, I know a lot of people suddenly were working at home, both members of a couple having to work at home, needing spaces, kids needing to do schoolwork at home. Yeah. How has mm-hmm. that been for you? Yeah, so it's actually just kind of pinging off of what Sherry said. We also happened to finish a home right before COVID, but with the forethought of uh, multi-generational and having this be a family home actually in Florida. So it really turned out Mm -hmm. well for them. Um, (laughs) And just like Sherry said, it's like we worked in terms of wings and making sure everyone had separate spaces. And we thought about some reading nook spaces, some study desk spaces, for them. And what I was really surprised, well, I think we were all like kind of waiting with bated breath when COVID hit to see what was going to happen. And then of course, what the requests were going to be just pummeling towards us. And for us, we had so many requests for exterior, getting rooftops. You know, in Chicago, everything's narrow and tall, and you have very limited outdoor space. So you go up to the roof, you go up to the top of your garage. So we basically went full full force ahead. I think we did like three outdoor areas and multiple exterior areas for, for these people. And the other thing that has been so fascinating to me from requests from our clients is almost like a shift in perception of how they're approaching their home now and how they're defining home. All of a sudden, uh, and this kind of spans across the ages, we have clients that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, this real highlight to the forefront of wanting to invest in quality and understanding what that means. So I think because it's everyone was... And maybe, you know, others continue to stay at home. They continue to understand home is a little bit different. They're now there more. They want quality. They want, I mean, we did actually a couple of bathroom renovations during COVID. And we had clients that were pushing us and saying, show me, show me the nicer stuff. I mean, we want to see more of the, you know, we're trying to be budget friendly. You know, they gave us an initial budget and then they're like, let's just go all out. Blow it out of the water. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And this was across all ages. And just sitting back and thinking about it, like, wow, this is really, really interesting. It's the idea of like having your hiatus, your hotel in your own home. No one was able to travel. And I think people just have started to revere quality a lot, a lot differently, which I'm eating it all up. Love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> when you don't have to beg them to, yeah. to like, well, consider this. So that's yeah. great. Now, Sherry had mentioned privacy, which I think is such an interesting word. And this, and sometimes I think nobody cares about privacy anymore. People post everything, you know, you know, every, all the, it seems like, you know, every detail of their lives. But, you know, when you're living with people, like, let's say you're suddenly living with your parents or you're living with your brother or sister's kids or whatever. How you maintain enough privacy? Is it like 
like you were saying, separate bedrooms, but then communal kitchens. Like, Janie, what do you think is the most effective way to give people enough privacy, but as part of this, like, expanded family that, you know, was the tradition, like, during the Depression or earlier, that was that you'd live with your grandparents, but then that has not been the case for a long time. So, you know, I'm so fortunate because if we do a small space for us, it's generally like a penthouse apartment. We do such large properties and right. you know, we live, you know, Richmond, my work, you got a lot of beautiful land. We have so much. <laughs> and really all the, I'd say 80% of our work is Southeast. And so we don't have the type parameters, you know, that Sherry's talking about or that Bren's talking about in Chicago, but we still very much have the privacy issues. And we're working on a project now in South Florida where we are, it's, it's been so impactful because we lived through COVID and we we're planning a house because we've had this experience. This family has six children and we're doing exactly what they're talking about. All these nooks and crannies because the parents want the house to be a draw. They want to welcome people. They would only have one married child yet, but the client is talking to me regularly about, I want my daughter-in-laws to like to come. And I want to give them space for everything they need to do. I want to give them room. And, And we really worked with the architect just to very much create these individual pockets. And we've got square footage to do it because we're dealing with more land. So we're not bumping up against that. We are bumping up against the communal spaces. And I think, Bren, you mentioned what you're seeing with young people caring more about luxury. And I I, I totally concur with that. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm finding, too, just with the layout of a footprint of a home, that I'm finding the younger people being drawn back to more delineated spaces. You know, mm-hmm. we're not blowing out a bunch of walls. We're now taking big rooms and making two rooms where we've got proper breakfast rooms, not a big, huge open kitchen. We've got a designated dining room. We have a library. Oh my God, dining yeah. rooms are coming back? <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, and we're building <laughs> libraries with pocket doors that can close. And that's not just historic renovation that we're doing. We're building new house for people in their 30s that come in requesting that. So it's fascinating to me. I'm thrilled because I, I do... That's more rooms for me, right? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. just more fun to have. More canvas so, but, to paint on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's true. So yes, luxury is coming back. And I think to circle back to your question, that is luxury is, is synonymous with privacy. So bigger bathrooms, everything's ensuite. I mean, I doubt there's any of the three of us who built anything that didn't have an ensuite bathroom. You know, that's just something in a historic home these days. But, but also that place to tuck away. We have in the house in Florida individual sun porches. So, you know, wow. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you know, I'd like to have mine too, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we certainly don't have that in New York City, do we, Sherry? <laughs> no. Uh, no. So, I, you know, I want to ask you, especially, like, I remember living in a studio apartment. And, you know, it's not always easy and it's hard to find storage for things or whatever. So, working in this in a city, or Chicago, too. I mean, you know, there's a lot of smaller apartments in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right? So, do you think about things like dual-purpose rooms or flexible furniture. I remember when I was young, they had you know, a coffee table that would fold up to become a dining table. They're, you know, <laughs> they bring beds that come down from the ceiling, you know, <laughs> Murphy beds. Is that part of how you think about spaces or 
What's your approach to when you have to fit a lot of functions into a tighter space? It's really trying first and foremost to rearrange the space, moving walls, seeing what I can do there first, and then bringing in components such as built-ins and really trying to find the creativity in using spaces like closet spaces. How can that be multifunctional, especially if we're in a small space, such as a studio or one or two bedroom apartment? I think utilizing built-ins and utilizing closet spaces are really important to provide the function that a client needs, whether it is um, both just being at home, working at home, dealing with children, creating a nursery space within a closet mm-hmm. is something that is... Um, I, I had friends who used a bureau drawer, you know, for the babies. <laughs> you know? yeah. I have to tell you, there's a lot of creativity that goes into small spaces and it really, really just kind of depends on what the, the client's function is, you know, honestly whether they have children or not, how can we build up? How can we do things vertically? And how can we provide something where they're not going to feel like they're on top of each other? I think that's the fun part about designing for small spaces and especially for several people in in a small space. Right. You are confined, but to give that illusion. So Bryn, what about you in terms of, because you do a lot of urban spaces. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to, again, I'm going to ping off of you, Sherry. And I'm actually. I love the pinging. (laughs) I actually am my own client right now. And I am dealing with this exact issue. My husband and I, we live in Lincoln Park. We bought a house during COVID, but it's under renovation. So we're not ready for it. And we're expecting a baby in a couple weeks. And I haven't done, oh, touched the nursery. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Oh, and I, we're right now still, you know, while we're renovating, we're still living in a rental. And it's just a two-bed, two-bath. And so I am having this issue at the moment. And I will say everything that Sherry said is everything that I'm trying to think of right now in terms of going up the walls, repurposing closets, and trying to think of furniture. And I still do this with my clients as well that that might have some condominiums in the city that they want to really stretch some of their guest bedrooms, for instance. And it's thinking about furniture in dual purposes. So like currently right now, I'm thinking... You know, I'd really love to have a sofa, but I would really love to have a bed. Not enough room. Maybe we find a day bed, turn it to the side, fill it with pillows during the day, make it a make it a sofa, and then we could have a twin bed for someone to sleep there if someone someone came. And of course, we'll be pinging around this bassinet, so I'm not too worried about having a crib right now. So to answer your question, Michael, is really thinking about furnishings as well as everything Sherry said. We have also recently have had a request for Murphy beds again. So for some of our clients that have some smaller space or the housing market right now is crazy and people are still trying to find their, everywhere, their home. It seems. Yeah, everywhere, so, so everyone's kind of staying put in their smaller spaces until they find their larger spaces. Um so yeah, rethinking furnishings and you know, space planning is just one of my favorite things to do because it's like it's like Tetris. I always say yes. kind of like the black and white. You can't argue with us. Design is so like organic and everyone has their own references, but space planning is pretty straightforward. So making sure that you've space planned the heck out of a room to really think of all types of functions and and like I said, 
thinking outside the box with furniture, I think is really, really the way to go too. Can I say something to what Bryn is saying? Yeah, there is a ton of Murphy bed requests and yeah. Murphy beds. Can this Murphy bed also have a sofa or can it have a desk with it? And I've seen quite a bit of that or, hey, you know, my space is so small, but I definitely want a bed. I don't want a Murphy bed, but can we add storage underneath the bed for clothes or or seasonal outfits? And that's definitely something that I'm seeing quite a bit of. And even even for dining rooms that are also dual function, can we have this as an office space? Or how can we extend the dining table to make it an office space? And can we can this table, you know, shrink down to a size where it's still intimate to have dinner and have guests over? Even the little areas where there's outdoor spaces, those are also dual function. First and foremost, can I have a space where I can lounge, but can I also have this space turn into something where I can have small social events? So that's uh, just just to yeah. continue the conversation a little bit more. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's no, that's a challenge. But I mean, there are furniture companies that do innovative things and there are, you shrink yes. and whatever, and that helps. But I think it's also a question of you know, you have to think of the rooms differently. Like the dining room is also the library, is also the office. So Janie, how do you address that? Like, especially for different generations, if you're suddenly parents are living with their kids, the kids are living with the parents, they have different tastes, shall we say, different aesthetic. How do you manage that? Because in terms of the space where you're not getting in everybody's way and you're not getting annoyed with people, you know, so your true. parents you think are fuddy dud or whatever. How do you feel with that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm thinking about, remember all the puzzling we did during COVID? I mean, everybody's dining tables were covered with puzzles. You know, we were all trying to, but that also, that puzzle had to get covered up at some point because that was an office or either right. a homework spot. So we had all these, ordered all these tabletop dining table covers that could fold up (laughs) to really keep the, keep the dining table functional, but keep the puzzling going at night. But there were all kinds of little tricks like that, that sort of came to pass during COVID. But for multiple generations, you know, I just think you have to remember that people like us, adults, what do we want to do at night? We want to watch our inappropriate series, right? (laughs) So, you know, and then there's going to be, what what, what about a, you know, what about a child that's walking around at seven that probably shouldn't (laughs) be there? So, you know, we need to have a room, you know, we need to have television viewing. So we would set up bedrooms that literally, you know, maybe had a bench at the foot of the bed or suitcases or whatever. That became a sofa and we added a couple of chairs. So that could be the sitting room for the other group of people in the bedroom when that was sort of television was going on here. I agree that there was so much sort of shifting around and moving of furniture. And it's interesting what we're finding now. I just assume so much of the rearranging we would do to accommodate my personal needs, my own home, but also our clients' needs would certainly go back when life opened up. And now we're finding they're calling and saying, I know that wasn't exactly the right sofa. We pulled it out of another room. I like it in here. I want to order this. I want to now create these spaces we thought were temporary. So Creating all the little individual spaces has been, I think, really successful. I don't know if if you all feel the same way, but I think we thought it was somewhat of a stopgap measure. And now we're finding they like it. They like the delineation. They want the room that has a purpose, but they also want the rooms that multitask. We did a solarium that I remember when we installed it, the husband (laughs) walked through and said, 
who's going to do what in here? And, <laughs> um, and I said, well, they're going to be drawn to it when they really want a beautiful, sunny space where they have a surface for, you know, writing a letter or reading a book and they have a place to lounge. And he was like, well, who's ever going to do that? This is the father of four children. Well, he's called me back so many times because that room became the place where the tutor would come. They moved the piano in there for piano lessons. And then when the school opened back up, he reclaimed it as his home office. So, you know, that's sort of the experience we're having that. And also, quite honestly, our clients are flexible to change. You know, typically they would say, oh, no, this is what I wanted. I've always thought it was going to be this way. Let's go. And now I'm seeing huge flexibility, multi-generational, everybody's game. The other thing that I do have to mention that is somewhat of a phenomenon is all the people that get to a certain age and want to downsize. <laughs> so I'm finding that they're going, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not doing that. Actually, I don't need it. And then I'm finding young people are really stretching themselves to buy really big houses. You know, we all want the big house. I'll say to, you know, a client say in their 60s or 70s, are you sure you need five bedrooms? And I just want them. I want five mm-hmm. bedrooms. You know, you never know. So I think the real estate market is crazy here, as I'm sure yeah. is for everyone. But it's the the high priced houses with the, all the square footage and the space that don't stay on the market. They mm-hmm. sell immediately. And that's different. You know, for us, those were the houses that sat a bit longer right. until the exact right buyer would come through. But But no more. They are picked up immediately. So true. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. I did want to ask you all, COVID, dear God, let it be temporary. Yes. But I do think that some of these changes are going to be lasting. I think, you know, maybe having your parents around, maybe not in the house, but like a mother-in-law apartment or over the garage or, you know, this thing they have in L.A. where you're allowed to put a second home in your big yard. I think, you know, having them to take care of the kids, having them around, seeing that, I think that is something that people are appreciating anew. You know, when I was young, you wanted to get away from home. You know, you couldn't wait. Now I think that there's a different appreciation. A hundred percent. So like, for instance, our definitely our younger clientele that are in these very large homes, we're always talking about in-laws, in-law suites, this guest bedroom. Like I always have, you know, it's fun to, to design with the client in mind. And a lot of times the clients are, saying, well, you're never going to meet my in-law, but this is what she's like. And then we see if we hit the nail on the head. But I'll tell you another, for us personally, the home that we found in Lincoln Park, it is, gosh, it's from the 1880s originally. And back in the day, they used to allow carriage houses kind of had to be grandfathered in. They didn't allow it anymore. Well, now because of COVID, just like you said in the beginning, they are now starting to reallow that zoning for that. So my husband and I are, once it goes through in our zone, we're even thinking down the line, we'll be probably redoing that backspace so we can have a carriage house 
you know, just thinking for the future. So I'm definitely on that that board. And, you know, our younger clientele, for sure, we're always thinking of the multifamily. And, you know, one of the, the biggest things that we also really push is as long as there is a quote unquote home within the home for everyone and everything, then generally life is pretty good at home. Messes are, are put away because there's already a home for those things. So something shouldn't be left out. And so we're constantly talking about that, especially during COVID for our clients, making sure each room within the home, whatever it's designated for, has specific homes for those needs, whether it's a homework room now, a playroom that needs very extensive storage and beautifully labeled to teach the kids to put things back where they're supposed to go. We're really attuned to talking about those things as well. So um, just to ping off of what Janie said earlier. More pinging, I love. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now I, I wanted to, you know, I always thought it was so ironic, you know, living in New York, and I know this is true in Chicago and Austin and places where there are a lot of young people and tech people. A lot of these apartment developers were doing apartment buildings, which had small apartments, small private, but, you know, huge gyms and pools and hangout spaces and multi-work spaces. And, you know, during COVID, all of that, all those general use spaces got shut down and these poor singles either went home or they were stuck <laughs> in these little cubicle, basically. But it seems almost like the American home itself is now becoming like that. Like you were saying, Sherry, like different wings, but the central spaces. So do you see that as something that is going to be moving ahead in terms of the American home with maybe a larger kitchen? Maybe it's not open. Maybe there's a breakfast area. Maybe there's a pantry, whatever. And then smaller guest rooms, primary bedrooms, smaller. Or is that just me being crazy? No, I I think everybody, I I have to agree with Jenny and Bryn, like the bigger, the better, more space. COVID is really changing the way that we do look at design. I think if we look at different parts of the country, larger homes, multi-levels, how do we create um, spaces, not only for in-laws, but even for the older generation who have children who are having family I'm starting to notice like they are creating suites for their children and their children's children, which is something where they're like, hey, we want you guys to come spend more time with us. If you're able to work extended time from home, come stay with us. We have your own suite for you and your children. Yes, there is this place where we can all kind of come and socialize and we have our own space either upstairs or outside. So yeah, I'm seeing that. And then for actual apartments, what I am seeing is is really just how do we change a room? Like if we have a guest room, yes, can that be a guest room plus something else, plus something else? And how do we transfer all of those things from uh, office, the gym, a guest room and something else? And so I think it's, a, it's an interesting way to find the creativity there. I am seeing that primary bedrooms are a bit smaller than usual, they are also just storage conscious. So what? how much can we bring into one space and what do we have to actually put into a storage facility? So I think what I've seen so far is like, can we actually create these, how can I say it? Kind of like boat style living. Where oh, everything sort of fitted and has a place. Is fitted, kind of. Can walls move? <laughs> can they become closets? Can we 
to push panel situations for storage. And so I'm seeing even though apartments are apartments, we may not be able to actually extend them the way we want to because of building criteria, et cetera. I am starting to see that uh, how do we rethink these spaces to fit when the storage they need and to fit the multifunctions that they need. So it's definitely, I think, a not a different brain power, but definitely researching into other things other than just normal residential interiors. Like, what can we take from commercial? What can we take from boats? Mm-hmm. What can we take from airplanes? And, and <laughs> just even transportation, RVs, how do we do that and put that into these small spaces so that we all feel kind of comfortable in these urban societies. And yeah, that's a great point. And people seem to love going in their little, you know, air streamers on the road. So why couldn't they be happy in a smaller space? That's so interesting. So Janie, do you sort of get that sense from your clients? I mean, like you said, you you have big houses, you have beautiful outdoor surroundings, but you know, you can get lost if a house is too big. You know, you, you No, I agree. And and I, as you're talking, Sherry, I'm thinking about my kitchen at my beach house, which I always use your description. I say, you people, you have to remember we're like we're in a boat because it's tiny. It's a small little galley kitchen. The house was built sort of as a, a boy camp 20 years ago. And um, at that point, I had three boys. And then I ended up having another boy and then a girl. And then I just forgot people grow up and get bigger and have friends. And anyway, the thing's been expanded multiple times. But that little hub of a kitchen is very small. And so we don't have... 11 mixing bowls. We have six stacked perfectly. We don't have 14 frying pans. We have very much, it reads as a boat kitchen. And and where I think that is true in all kinds of design, and I think we're all on the same page, regardless of our region, is that kitchens, definitely it's, it's function over form. Closets, it's function over form. And we've got to fill every nook and cranny. And people don't want that clunky old bureau in that bedroom. They want those sleek drawers hidden behind a panel in their closet. We want the utilitarian stuff to be state of the art and well thought out and perfectly planned for the individual client needs, of course, but that stuff needs to be out of view. And then, you know, it frees up the real living space to do the thing that we're all clamoring for and our clients are clamoring for, which is live our best lives, whether it's in a tiny apartment or a big living room. But it is, I think we were always headed toward refining that, but it has turned up the volume on it in a big, bad way. Now, when I get elevations from cabinet shops or whatever, I look and we typically have to go back and go, no, 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 we need to outfit it this way. We've lost, what are we doing with those seven inches? What are we doing with this? Now they're getting on board. And when we get information from cabinet shops and architects, it revolves less and less tweaking because we're all, the whole industry is realizing the demand. And one other thing, I'm just curious if you all have experienced this too. I mean, how many weird places have you found to put the printer? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, we've had, we had the printer in a fireplace. We've had the printer, you know, <laughs> camouflage. We've had printers in every nook and cranny of a house. We've built sideboards 
for the exact depth to accommodate a printer. You know, that's still a big clunky piece of equipment. It is. And and hideous, unattractive. You know, your laptop's pretty good looking comparatively. But um, anyway, that printer, we we laugh. We could write a little mini book on where's my printer? Oh, you know, (laughs) let me tell you where it is this week. So that's funny. That's so funny. Janie, I'll I'll answer that. We actually in the Florida home I was discussing prior, the kitchen island was just so large because it was it's meant to be a gathering space that we basically created the millwork in the island for one of the bottom drawers to pull out to be the the printer, the printer. because there was discussions people would be sitting there and doing their work so yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> multi-purpose rooms yeah oh my gosh i love that so funny you just don't want to get pizza on with the printouts <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. so true so i'd i'd love to get a sense from each of you once COVID is gone or under control or whatever, please dear God soon, what changes in terms of the multi-generational thing do you see it ahead? Like if you're, if you're designing a house five years from now, what would you think is going to be important to your clients then? So Jenny, why don't we start with you? What, what do you think is going to be maintained from now? What will be different? What will go right. back to the way it was? Well, I I still, you know, I've always been a big advocate. I think there was some article in some periodical a few years ago about the dining room and I was quoted in it and I got all these funny texts from my friends. They were like, what's going on with Save the Dining Room, your big campaign? What what up with that? You know? And I said, no, I, I do. I'm a big, I guess because we work on so many, you know, historic homes. I have always been a fan of delineated spaces. You know, I've lived in a house I built that had the big great room and it didn't work. I didn't want to look into my kitchen all day long for my pretty room. So I do feel like my hope in five years from now is that people will look back at the lessons we've learned. And I think traditionalism and architecture, often it's worked for a long time for a reason. And to the same point, you know, personally from in my own house, I think state of the art technology is key and state-of-the-art sort of inventions and all of these little clever storage facilities and and tricks to expand the kitchen storage and expand the pantry storage and expand the closet storage. I think that will continue to constantly change and innovate. I mean, I think where we were five years ago there, and that's just been night and day. So my hope is that that continues to evolve at the same pace And then people have had this experience to reflect on and realized that there's a reason why houses were built the way they were for years. And and maybe all those purposeful rooms with labels were a good thing. And so I'm like you, I think that you can get lost in a house that's too big. So I would prefer like a smaller scale house. And I certainly don't want a bunch of chopped up rooms, but a smaller scale house that's thoughtfully laid out with traditional sort of delineated areas and then bring on the technology. Open your mind up to all of that with your media room, with whatever you're doing. I think that's how the three of us as designers, that's how we can really improve our clients' lives because they can't stay on the cutting edge of it. I mean, we can hardly keep up, you know, but bringing that into their lives, they're all of a sudden, I don't have to have a cable. You're like, no, you don't have to have cable. You don't have to have a cable box. No, you know, so we're always sort of uh, educating. I'm sure the two of you Mm -hmm. are too. Um, You know, people just don't think about that and we can bring that to the table. 
Sherry, what about you? Because you're more urban, you know, as am I, you know, smaller spaces. What do you think five years from now you'll be concentrating on for your clients? It's going to be something where we are always continually looking to the future. So yes, technology. How can we design to accommodate technology, ever-changing technology, and how can that be implemented into current designs and it being used in the future, making sure that technology can be adaptable for any space, whether it's something that was built five years ago or in five years, how can we think about the future to add that type of technology? So that's one of the things that I think I have to go into style. I think if Please we do, if we think about multi-gen um, design and accommodating everybody, what I am starting to already see is that everyone has a different style. And so I think the idea of these traditional named styles are probably going to just end up being a blur because what I'm already seeing is somebody likes mid-century modern, someone loves traditional, someone loves contemporary, and how do we blend them all? It's just going to be several either new styles or blends. And I think that's probably going to continue in five years and beyond. Great. Bryn, what about you? Well, goodness. I mean, I think these two have really covered a majority of it. And and Sherry, what you were just saying about the blending of styles, that just makes me so excited and happy. Because whenever we have a couple that comes to us and and let's say she's hippy-dippy and he is streamlined and contemporary. Those are my favorites because the end product is always so amazing, just merging the two, the two styles. So I think that that's a really astute style forecast. And I think that that just makes for really cool design. I think really everyone has been so affected. This pandemic did not go away in six months. We're still in it. And it's two years later that in five years from now, it's it'll still be fresh. And I think people are not going to easily forget the experiences, how things changed for them on all sorts of levels. But I really think that there's going to be a, the continuation of people revering home and defining home much differently and spending more, more time at home. I, I don't see people going back from this urge to want luxury more so than they maybe than they clamored for prior. I just am seeing it across all the boards. I mean, even little details like interior architecture. And I think for like my younger clientele, luxury equals investment because they don't want to deal with things down the road. That is straight across all of them. They're looking at, you know, solid doors, beautiful hardware. If they don't have it, they're switching it out, which is really astute and really interesting. And then my older clientele, they're at the part of their stage of life where they're treating themselves and luxury is part of that. So I think the redefining of home is here to stay and I'm excited for it. And I think that investment and quality is just going to be very prevalent and continue in five years. Right. And I think, to add my own two cents here, I do think that during COVID, people have realized, you know, family is so important. Whether you have your parents living with you or you have your children living with you or you just see them more often, 
I think people want, want their homes to enable them to spend really quality time with their family. And to me, that's a great thing. And Janie, I too love a dining room and I have you know, my weekend house. I have a dining room. It's also where I work, you know, yeah. the dining table. I mean, rooms are adaptable, you know, it can serve. We have books in there. It's kind of the library. It's a dining, you know, so I think that the idea of the traditional room, I think is and will remain as um, important as it ever was. And it's, they're just more flexible. And I think right. that that's so interesting as well, that people can use those spaces that were maybe set up for one use, use it for other things. Like you were saying, having the the, the printer in the kitchen island or, <laughs> or Bryn, hopefully we want to be putting your baby in the bureau drawer. But, you know, we'll, right. we'll see. Um, but, um, you know, I do think that there's an awareness now that we have other ways of living than we were living before and we can do it with great style. And I think you guys are all wonderful exemplars of that. And, you know, I want to thank you all for being here. I want to, you know, thank everyone for listening to the Church Podcast. And I want to thank my wonderful guests, Janie Molster, Jerry Francis, and Bryn Olson. So thank you guys so much for being part of the Church Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Cherish podcast brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word and we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.